Hey guys, if you're interested in checking out a video version of the show, please visit the Low Key Geek channel on YouTube. There you can not only catch the video version of the podcast, but you can also check out my other projects and short form video that I produce. You can find a link in the description. Otherwise, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. All right, guys, we have a serious problem, and we definitely have to talk about it. Marvel is about to lose Spider-Man. Disney will not be able to make any more Avengers movies, Marvel movies, say goodbye to the comic books. It's a serious situation, and we need to talk about it. Oh, yeah, and uh, Chris Pratt is your voice of Mario in the new Super Mario movie. Yeah, all that and more. It's a talk and talk pod showcast coming at you now. Hey there, ladies and gents. It's episode five of the Talking Talk Pod Showcast. It's your boy Renee here. It's another week. We made it once again. It's fall. Happy fall, everyone. The temperature is starting to dip a little bit here on the East Coast. The humidity is dropping. We are escaping asteroids that are flying through the Earth. Um, all that and then some some interesting stuff to talk about. And I'll get to all of that in just a minute. But first, I want to, again... Thank you guys for tuning in. Appreciate all of you guys who are watching or listening in podcast form. Uh, if you don't know, the Talking Talk Pod Showcast is your unofficial weekly pop culture podcast where I talk about the big topics from the past week and I joke about a lot of random stuff and shenanigans and all that. But you can find this show every week usually drops on saturdays but i'm going to do my best to try to move that up to friday so that you could start your weekends off better hopefully i can entertain all of you um so spread the word if you know anyone who might be interested make sure you let them know hit that like and subscribe if you're on youtube and if you're new to the channel welcome aboard if you're listening in audio form or you want to listen in audio form, you could check out the show on all your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Just look for the Low Key Geek channel there and make sure to follow and download the episodes. Um, and I should mention why creators like myself always push for liking and subscribing and following on podcasts and all that a lot of this stuff is very easy to do it costs all of you guys nothing to do so it usually just takes seconds but the ramifications are huge and what that means is that yes that lets youtube for example know that you like my content and um you know it could spread the word out for the channel and all that but it can help you as a viewer in YouTube helping recommend other videos like these and it could introduce you to new channels you never heard of videos maybe you never thought you would ever have a chance to watch but now you're interested so there's a crazy algorithm game going on there and then on podcast form the more you listen the follow if you I know Apple you could give good ratings that allows 
opportunities for collaborations and possibly I can hook up with other creators and do interviews or whatever but it also hooks me up with sponsorships and advertisers and um, that can help grow the channel as well so uh, it definitely helps and again all of the love that you've shared so far for those of you who are returning um, is greatly appreciated and again like I've mentioned in past episodes I know a lot of you are silent you like to watch and you still hopefully enjoy the programming whether you're just watching or listening in audio form and those of you guys who I never hear from, I thank you as well. So, with that being said, I did mention an asteroid miss. Um, it's funny, just on, I believe it was Wednesday, that's when the official fall equinox started. And um, the first new headline I read was like, asteroid zooming past the Earth, blah, 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 three times the size of the Statue of Liberty. Um, I find those things very interesting. Now, when they say narrowly passing through the earth, it's not, don't take that so literally. Um, it's still so far away from even uh, breaching Earth's atmosphere. It's not even a remote possibility that it's going to land, at least not now. Um, we won't be seeing it in our lifetime, but I'm pretty sure in the future there will be. But there's a part of me that wishes I can see that. Now, bear with me, um, you know, I'm not morbid or anything, but I just want there to all of a sudden hear about this scramble of some special task force that, you know, um, they're trying to shoot the asteroid down, but oh no, it's too big. And if we shoot it down with missiles or what have you, um, it's going to cause all of these particles to spread and we're going to get barraged. Uh, by all of these small, tiny, tiny uh, remnants of the asteroid, and it's going to be a crazy hailstorm, and people are going to die, and ah! all that stuff. So instead, we're going to have to assemble a team of like five to seven people to crash land on the asteroid, and you know, bury some sort of bomb in in between in the middle of it so that it can explode and split the asteroid in two change the trajectory and they will slingshot past the earth and everyone will be saved and all that you know that would be so much fun they should make a movie about it um but no seriously um i just think it's fascinating how one day the inhabitants of this world is going to have to face something like that and i'm so curious as to what's going to happen when that does so all right all that morbid curiosity out of the way. Uh, this week, a lot of next-gen hopefuls were waiting in lines for hours at local Best Buys across the U.S. Why? Because it's the first time since the next-gen launch that happened last November that people can actually go to a local Best Buy physically and try and attempt to buy either a PlayStation 5 or an Xbox Series X. And from the videos I've seen on Twitter, the lines were outrageous. I've heard people waiting as long as 14 hours, 18 hours, just trying to snag a console of their liking. Um, it's interesting that we are approaching a year, believe it or not, we are approaching a year of the next gen cycle. and majority of those who want to partake still cannot because systems are still scarce and 
you know, it's because of the current state of the world and, you know, the microchip shortages and what have you. Uh, but this is the first time, I believe, that we've encountered such a thing. Usually by this time, as we're approaching the one-year anniversary of a co new console launch, majority of those who wanted to pick it up already have it. The problem is there usually isn't enough games to play, which is still the case, but most people just don't have the system yet. Uh, rare, you know, events and circumstances that is preventing a lot of that from happening. So it is very interesting that, you know, as we approach the one year anniversary for both Xbox Series X and PlayStation 5, that majority of those who want to partake still cannot. And I've heard like systems that were landing in stores sold out within minutes, you know, in the wee hours of the morning and what have you, which is no surprise there. Um, but it is fascinating to me that, you know, this is such a hard thing. Um, I think the only other time I could ever think of this being such an issue, I believe, was either with the PlayStation 3 or the PlayStation 4. I forget which one it was, but that's because I believe if, I, if memory serves me right, it was released during the summer. These systems were released during the summer making them your know, hot ticket holiday items and then by the time of the holidays there was a mad scramble of those people still trying to pick it up but that's still within the initial year of launch right we are approaching the one year anniversary and still it's like as if the system just launched two months ago so very interesting stuff there hey i wish all of you guys luck if you haven't gotten a system yet um all I have to say is that don't rush. There's no need to rush because there isn't that much games to play that will benefit from the next-gen systems. Not yet. Next year is looking a little bit more promising. Um, I believe the, the games are out right now. There's probably one or two that is worthy of you playing at the moment, but you can just wait. I, I would say just wait because we are going to get more games that will really truly feel like next gen titles and that's really gonna really only start rolling out next year so so there you have it um as far as talking about stuff that is hitting big i don't know if that really correlates or what but promising news of dune last weekend and you know some studios do this with some of their movies i believe fast nine released internationally before coming out here in the u.s i believe that there were some or one marvel movie that did the same i can't recall which one it was but dune last weekend released in certain countries outside of the u.s and it got garnered really really promising results so some of the top 10 territories where Dune was released, you have Russia, France, Germany, Italy, Spain, Netherlands, Taiwan, Ukraine, Denmark, and Norway. And those are just the top 10. Other territories have the ability to watch Dune right now. And so all these people have now, as you're listening or watching to this, for one week had access to Dune ahead of us here in the US who will not get Dune until end of October. Um, but in this current state that we're in, 
the box office returns internationally are very promising. Last weekend, it pulled in $37.6 million, which is nothing to shy away from in this time that we're in right now. Um, most movies that launched recently, especially during the summer, struggled to try to break that 30, 30 million mark, right? And that's just domestically, right? So it's promising because that means there are a lot of people out there, one, looking forward to watching this movie, and two, are willing to go out to the theater for it. Now, it's going to be a little different situation here in the U.S. because we will be able to watch it in the theaters, but if we don't want to go to the theaters just yet, we will have the ability to watch it at home on HBO Max. So that's definitely going to skew numbers big time. Me, personally, I'm looking forward to watching this in the theater because it looks like one of those theatrical experiences. You have great special effects. I'm a huge fan of Denis Villeneuve, and he is one of modern times, one of the best visual directors right now. Blade Runner 2049 is gorgeous, you know, and I really enjoyed that movie. The Rival was amazing. Great storytelling in there. So I feel like this is going to be a blend of two. Um, Dune is a hard property to kind of master, right? David Lynch's 80, you know, 1984's version, you know, was not that great in my opinion. I know there are a lot of fans of it out, out there, but for me, I just remember renting it on VHS as a kid, watching it, falling asleep because I was just bored, right? Um, and plus, I really couldn't understand what was happening. But there's also a lot of people who are fans of the books, and this movie, this new iteration, promises to stay a little bit closer to the books. You know, Denny already has ideas and is writing, you know, part two, and hopefully he could turn this into a trilogy. That's his wish. But the only way he can do that is if the reception is big. So, um, box office does matter, and that's why I pay attention to box office every week. Um, if you are not familiar, every Mondays here on the Loki Geek channel, I do the Box Office Minute, which is a one-minute YouTube short that just recaps the weekend's box office numbers here in the U.S. Um, it's something that I've always been with, fascinated with ever since I was young because it tells me what people are wanting to go out there, what uh, people are interested in seeing as far as movies are concerned. Plus, it also communicates to the studios that we want to see more movies like this, right? Or we want to see more of this property or this franchise or what have you. So box office does still matter. Now streaming helps a little bit too, but until they could figure out how to really report the streaming numbers and, and monitor all that and you know all the metrics behind all that, you know, TBD, right? But the landscape has changed, but it's nice to see that movie like this, like Dune, um could be very promising so hopefully this will be a big hit here let me know in the comments if you are interested in watching dune how are you planning to watch it is this something you're going to stay home do you feel comfortable enough to go out to the theater and check this out like me um were you a fan of the movie from the 80s you know uh the david lynch movie that confused the hell out of me but what have you but dune so let's see what happens with that Sticking uh, to uh, the topic of Hollywood, now, this next bit of news I was not made aware of until I saw a Facebook post from one of my friends. 
Uh, I have a friend who I used to work with at Blockbuster Video way back in the day. And her passion for movies led her to her career, which she now works for Hollywood as a set designer. Now, I don't remember um, or I don't recall her hierarchy. You know, I don't know if she's like a manager or what have you, but I know she has a crew of people and they work on a lot of productions that are filmed here in New York. She worked on movies like The Irishman, The Joker. Again, those are just to name a few. Uh, but she may posted this thing on Facebook about um, certain about uh, Hollywood studios that are not willing to renegotiate contracts for workers like herself for improvements of work conditions, salary, um, you know, benefits, and all that stuff. And because of the current state of how things are right now, things are really hectic. And it sounds like there's a lot of burnout and people are overworked, but they're not really fully getting compensated on. And a lot of it has to deal with streaming as well, because streaming platforms churn out more content. So turnaround is, you know, expected to be quicker. Plus, everyone is catching up from Hollywood being shut down all of last year right so deadlines have been missed things are behind now everyone's trying to catch up and now people are going nuts and working extremely difficult uh, conditions and working extremely hard so the international alliance of theatrical stage employees the iatse is calling for uh, renegotiations as soon as possible or they're going to go on strike now this uh, union consists of now the reports are kind of all over the place. I've seen 40,000 to 60,000 members of this union. Regardless, it's a huge amount. They're asking the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, which are usually the studios connected to the studios, to renegotiate or else we're gonna, they're going to go on strike. And basically what they're asking for is... Um, and I'm reading this right off of Deadline, Deadline.com. Uh, the most grievous workplace conditions we are trying to improve include excessively unsafe and harmful working hours, including Fridays that often last well into Saturday, a.k.a. Fridays. Um, if you guys don't know, usually weekends are the times when studios shut down for the week. That's usually the breaks that people get, but it sounds like now that's not the case for the majority of the time. Wages for lowest paid crafts that cannot sustain a decent living. That's also another issue. Incredibly long work days without any break for a meal to put down equipment to unmask and get fresh air or just sit down. That also is a major issue. Um, moving on on all the list here. Consistent failure to provide reasonable rest between work days and on weekends. So... When I kept reading into this, basically it's, let's say a production ends on Thursday, right? Normally, people will get uh, some time off and then following week they'll work on the next thing. What it sounds like what's happening here is that production ends on Thursday for project one, project two starts right up on Friday 
and may spill into a little bit of Saturday and then continue until that project is done. Project two ends on a Monday. Project three starts now on Tuesday. That seems to be what's happening here. So you could see this is an issue. Um, and then lastly here, substandard rates for the same work on new media streaming projects, even on productions with budgets that rival or exceed those of traditionally released blockbusters. This quote-unquote relief is being provided to the most profitable companies on the planet, including Apple and Amazon. So these are the grievances there. Um, from what I can tell, the studios uh, have not been willing to really ne negotiate and to talk. So this has been um, hitting the news outlets quite a bit. Um, a lot of Hollywood actors and actresses have been uh, putting their voices in and putting their support behind the union, behind the uh, IATSE, you know, to try to get equality here, um, try to get compensation for those who deserve it. You know, a lot of these workers are your hair and makeup um, people, um, like I mentioned before set designers, costumers, right, uh, lighting people, you know, stagecraft, all that stuff that's involved in the back end of a production of a movie. Um, all those people you see at the credits that you're usually already uh, out the door when they're playing, not me, I'm always sitting through the credits there. Um, but all those people, these are the people that really help with a production of a movie from start to finish. And these are the ones that are being underpaid and mistreated, right? So, um, you know, the landscape has changed, you know, like streaming has really proven itself mostly because of what happened last year to be a huge form of entertainment that is now overtaking the experiences of going out to a movie, the experiences of going out to possibly a, a stage show or production. Um, you know, and a lot of these platforms are reaping the benefits on all that. We've heard earlier this year the grievances that actors are now having because of contracts that are tied to box office and doesn't include any clauses about streaming platforms. Scarlett Johansson is the number one person right now where her contract stated that part of her salary was going to be part, partly based on the returns from box office revenue. Now, Disney decided that they were going to do a day and date release, and then now you could go on Disney Plus and pay an extra $30 to watch Black Widow during that time. All that revenue is not accounting for, is not being accounted for to Scarlett's contract, and she doesn't see any of that profit. So, box office revenue being so low, that affects her wallet, right? And it sounds like there are other actors and actresses who are facing the same issues here. So it comes a time where you, things are going to have to change and pivot, right? So it, it's, it makes perfect sense to me why the IATSE union is demanding for improvements and updates to their contracts for their members and all that. And it's only right for the studios to adhere to it, you know? Um, because if they can't negotiate within the next couple of days, it sounds like they are looking to walk out first week of October. 
and which will shut down majority of productions from what I read, mostly anything tied to Warner Brothers, HBO, Showtime, uh, BET, Lifetime, uh, a good amount of production that is done on the West Coast. And of course, it's going to touch like some of the East Coast productions too. So big stuff there. I wish them the best of luck. They deserve what they are, uh, what is supposed to be coming to them. You know, they work extremely hard. Again, I know a lot of people in the industry who are, uh, like I mentioned before, my friend who is a set designer. I know someone who does construction for Hollywood productions. I know several people who do that. You know, and these people work extremely hard, so they deserve to be treated better. And you know, it's it's not any different from what you see in corporate America as well. You know, a lot of these people who have corporate jobs realize a lot of things last year, and maybe the, one of the things they realize is that they're not being compensated for the amount of work that they're doing. So. As things start slowly opening up, you know, or the uh, opportunities and possibilities for really working from home uh, seems to be more of a stable and acceptable thing, renegotiations are, renegotiations are really starting to happen a lot more. Conversations are starting to happen as far as what is proper compensation, what is a proper work-life balance, which is something I was always championing for years and years and years with all the companies I worked at so it's you know allowing people to finally realize their worth and for the most part you know I think a lot of companies were taking advantage so let's see what happens here I will be keeping a close eye on this because obviously it is fascinating plus you know again I, I do love the industry because of what comes out of it and the back end stuff always does fascinate me and I really hope things turn for the better on both sides, but mostly on the side of the IATSE union. Now, the freak out that happened on Friday when this news dropped on Twitter, and that's basically Marvel is involved in some lawsuits that could potentially, if it doesn't go their way, lose control of the rights of major comic book characters and will not allow them to move forward with any kind of comic book, movie production, TV production um, in 2023. Right. Now, I'm going to read a lot of stuff for you so that you get an idea of what's happening. This is from The Hollywood Reporter that kind of, in my opinion, summarizes it really well. And then, you know, let's discuss. So, Disney's Marvel unit is suing to hold on to full control of Avengers characters, including Iron Man, Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, Ant-Man, Hawkeye, Black Widow, Falcon, Thor, and others. The complaints, which The Hollywood Reporter has obtained, come against the heirs of some late comic book geniuses, including Stan Lee, Steve Ditko, and Gene Cullen. The suits seek declaratory relief that these blockbuster characters are ineligible for copyright termination as works made for hire. If Marvel loses, Disney would have to share ownership of characters worth billions. Article continues, in August, the administrator of Ditko's estate filed a notice of termination on Spider-Man, which first appeared in comic book form in 1962. 
under the termination provisions of copyright law, authors or their heirs can reclaim rights once granted to publishers after waiting a statutory set period of time. According to the termination notice, Marvel would have to give up Ditko's rights to its iconic characters in June 2023. Now, I'm going to continue on to this next part because I think in order to really fully grasp what's happening here or the potential of what the outcome could be, you need to understand this here. Marvel is facing other termination notices. For example, Larry Lieber, who worked at Marvel as a writer too, filed termination notices over creations in May. The heirs of the combo creators, including Black Widow creator Don Rico, are being represented by Mark Toborow, who once famously represented Superman creators Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster in an unsuccessful termination attempt against DC. DC saved off termination by counterclaiming against Toborow and asserting tortuous interference of its rights. The publisher was once the publisher was represented by Dan Petroselli at O. Melveni, who just so happens to be representing Disney now in its efforts to keep rights to various Avengers characters. All right. So to summarize here, the heirs of these famous, famous comic book creators are looking to get their cut understandably so you know i believe look you're a comic book creator in the 60s 70s you create these things you don't know that 40 50 60 years down the line that these things will be multi-billion dollar properties right so you agree to certain terms with the publisher whether it be dc or marvel that you know i'm gonna work here i'm gonna do what i do but understanding that a lot of the properties that I may be involved in or maybe some creations that I work on may not be fully mine. It's going to be ending up to be the property of the publisher. If you work in tech or media, a lot of the contracts that you sign have a clause in there, and I've seen this clause multiple times, that any invention that is done while working for said company is rights and belongs to that said company. You don't have any personal attachment to it. You cannot take that, you know, that invention, whether it be a piece of software, um, a tool, right? You cannot take that with you if you were to leave that company because now the company owns it. And this is not any different there, right? So, the heirs are looking for their share or they're looking for maybe more so control, right? And they want to prevent Marvel or DC uh, or Disney because Disney owns Marvel in reaping any further benefits until they can get their cut. I don't blame them, right? I'm with them on that. Now, the reason why this is not going to happen and Disney and Marvel will be just fine is because what I mentioned before about Superman. Those creators tried to go back at Disney, uh, DC, sorry, and tried to get full control. It didn't happen. It didn't work. You know, DC was able to make their case known, 
and it was very well known that when these creators worked for DC, they were work for hire. Any, they were just working for the publisher, and any creation that was done said publisher belonged to said publisher, like I mentioned before. Now, the, the silver lining there is that there was uh, a settlement between DC and these creators, or the estate of these creators. Um, and from what I hear, things are fine. This is exactly what's going to happen here. Disney is a powerhouse that owns a lot of control in Hollywood, whether it be movies, TV, amusement parks. Their hand stretches quite far in this entertainment industry. You think they're going to lose to the heirs of the estate of the creators of these comic book characters? No. I laugh because, and look, again, I'm on the side of the heirs. I'm on the side of the estates because... I want them to get their due, and they will, because what's going to happen is that there's going to be a settlement outside of court, Disney is going to settle with these people, and hopefully it's good enough to make them happy. You know, but it, the, the dark side of this industry, or the dark side of things, is that these things happen all the time. And as a comic book creator, this is something that you're going to end up facing if you ever find yourself in this situation because like I said unless you decline to sign that contract that waivers all of your rights to said company or somehow you could renegotiate and say that if I create something here that property is mine or I get a percent of ownership of it right if you don't negotiate anything like that, then you're going to be stuck in this kind of rut. Now, it's not surprising that we're hearing this stuff happening right now. If you guys remember in August, there was a report that Marvel, and I'm going to read the excerpt right here, and this is from CBR.com because I vividly remember this, and this was making the waves, and again, Twitter was going nuts with this stuff, right? But again, it's... It sucks to read it. It sucks to hear it. But if you're looking at the business side of things, this is why you got to protect yourself and read your contracts and understand what you're going into. Marvel creators are reportedly paid $5,000 for film adaptations of their work. According to a newspaper report, Marvel creators are paid $5,000 and a ticket to the premiere if their work is adapted into a Marvel film. I read somewhere else that sometimes they don't even get paid that. Sometimes it's just a thank you note and you are the best. Good job, kiddo. It sucks, man. It really, really freaking sucks. And as someone who always has been an advocate for workers and employees, because I spent 95% of my corporate America career being a manager and I was always fighting for my employees to get what they deserve and to make sure that they're taken care of to hear this is heartbreaking it really is heartbreaking and in a perfect world you would think the folks at Marvel and mostly D Disney will say hey you know what you, 
creator of Ant-Man, you creator of Spider-Man, Doctor Strange. We are so appreciative of your work and you introducing us to these wonderful characters that have boastful stories that's now making us billions of dollars here. Here's a sign of our appreciation. And it's like a huge kickback or a percentage of you know the overall revenue that this character contributes to the to the the bottom line you know of course yeah tickets to the premiere and all that hullabaloo but it's not a perfect world this is you know a business and disney is very corporate as i mentioned like corporate america and this crap happens all the time so what are you gonna, what can you do with everyone freaking out that we will no longer see a Spider-Man movie or read a comic book that has Doctor Strange or, you know, Iron Man in it is ridiculous because it's not going to happen. There's going to be a settlement. Disney and Marvel are going to win their case. And heirs will hopefully get some sort of reprieve, some sort of kickback that they find beneficial and move on. Hopefully. We'll see what happens, but that's why it is very important to read more into all of this stuff before flipping out because of a headline, right? And if you feel like I may have tricked you by clicking on this video or listening to this podcast because of my intro and the title and what have you, I apologize, but that was the overall sentiment on Friday that was happening so I'm pretty sure you're interested to hear what the hollow blue was about and uh, what the results could be so that's Marvel's lawsuits keeping us so let me know what you think in the comments you know I'm sure a lot of you will be passionate about this topic um, I see both sides very well because I've been on both sides I've been on um, a lot on the business side of things and on the managerial side of things so I get it I get it but I like I said huge supporter for the workers huge supporter for those who put the blood sweat and tears and things so I get it so I just hope at the end of the day there could be a decent enough settlement that will make both sides happy and just continue on and move from there so we'll see what happens but Keeping along with Disney, um, November 12th is going to be the one-year anniversary. One year, or is it two years now? I believe, okay, maybe two years. Two-year anniversary of Disney+. And because of that, they're going to have an exclusive um, streaming program that is going to highlight a lot of upcoming stuff that they're working on. Plus, they're going to release a lot of things on that day. They're calling it Disney Plus Day. And I'm pretty excited about this. I'm pretty excited because we already know that they're working on so many different things. And we're going to get a glimpse of that and things that we've been waiting for. So the quick list here of what's going to happen is Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi will now be able to be streamed directly on Disney Plus without additional payment. So it's going to be available for everyone who owns and subscribes to Disney Plus. November 12th will be the first day you can do that. 
So if you haven't had a chance to watch it in the theaters, November 12th is your opportunity. Along with that, Disney's Jungle Cruise. You can now stream it for free. Currently, I believe it's still available for premium access, so you have to pay additional funds for it. But Disney's Jungle Cruise will now be available to watch for free. Disney's Home Sweet Home Alone. It's another movie that they're working on. I don't know really the details of it, uh, but I'm sure more will be revealed later on. Disney's All Off Presents, which is a special um, show that they're working on with um, the characters of Frozen. Disney and Pixar's Ciao Alberto, which is a movie, spin-off movie from um, Pixar's Luca movie. An all-new short from The Simpsons. They've been doing a lot of these Simpsons shorts on Disney+, Plus. if you haven't been paying attention to. And it's been really funny so far. The World According to Jeff Goldblum returns for season two from National Geographic. So the first five episodes will be available to stream there. Um, this series is, I love it. If you are a fan of Jeff Goldblum, this is a really must watch because it's an interesting show to watch. And, you know, he he puts his spin on a lot of things that he's, in, he's involved in and investigating and experiencing. It's a really, it's a lot of, a lot of fun. Then they're going to have a Star Wars special look that they're going to look into a lot of things that is coming down the pipe for Star Wars. You know, we know we're getting the Book of Boba Fett this year. Um, I'm just reading some of the things that they're working on right here. Um, And we're going to get Mandalorian Season 3, I believe, next year. We got the Obi-Wan series. That is already finished wrapping, and I think they're in post-production right now. Um, so hopefully we're going to get some insights, first looks into some of these specials that they're working on. Then they're going to have a Marvel special. Look. And I, this is the one that I am excited for the most. Because November 12th is going to be a week after the Eternals movie releases right in theaters so after that we know that there's a lot of marvel shows that they've already been working on you know we're gonna get hawkeye at the end of the year but there are also programs like miss marvel i am group secret invasion ironheart she hulk hopefully we're gonna get more details about these series insights and first looks because they've already been filming some of these um, and then we got the movies, right? We got Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, Thor, Love and Thunder, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, you know, the Marvels, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. You know, we know that they're working on a Fantastic Four movie and a Blade movie. So are we going to get more details about that? Are we going to maybe get a cast reveal will we know who our four are for the big four who knows but it's very exciting and then they said there's going to be more stuff to be revealed and detailed later on so disney plus day is going to be a lot of fun i think that is a day that is going to be a lot of fun if you're a star wars fan if you are a marvel fan if you're a disney fan in general maybe they're going to let us know about new disney programming 
maybe new cartoons that involves the Disney characters. Who knows? Maybe some um, reveals on Muppets related stuff. You know, it's going to be a lot of fun. And I think it's going to be a huge thing. And Disney Plus has really made a name for themselves as a top streaming platform. You know, I remember when it first came out, the only thing you had available was or looking forward to was first season of Mandalorian. You know, but other than that, there was really no other solid programming that would draw people to want to pay for this service. Now, I mentioned before the Jeff Goldblum series, that was also a launch series that, you know, for me, I found extremely entertaining, but for general audiences, they're not, right? Like I said, the big draw was Mandalorian. And then once that was done, there really wasn't anything else. Yeah, you could watch all the Marvel films and the Star Wars films and, um, you know, all the old Disney animated movies and all that stuff, but it took them time to really get a grasp on what they were going to do for this platform and how they were going to draw people to it. Then the Marvel series started coming in. And then a lot of these special programming started coming in. You know, season two of Mandalorian. You know, we had, like I, I mentioned in a previous episode, this year alone, we've seen five Marvel series. We will see five because Hawkeye will be the fifth. Um, movie releases, all that stuff. So if you're a fan of all these properties, Disney Plus is probably your top tier streaming platform that you have right now. In my opinion, it would be HBO Max, Disney Plus, um, and maybe Netflix, right? Those are the top three right now, with Hulu being very close in that top three. So this is going to be a lot of fun and a lot of interesting to find out what is going to be revealed and on what have you. So. Again, let me know in the comments what you're looking forward to and what is something that's going to be extremely exciting for you to watch. So now by the time you've listened to this or are watching this, Netflix would have already had their special global fan event called Tudum and Tudum. And I'm not joking, T-U-D-U-M, which is a take on the Netflix sound that you hear when you launch the app. So Tudum. Um, they're having a global fan event uh, on Saturday, September 25th, where they're going to, I believe it's going to be three hours, and they're going to have a lot of special insights and first looks on all of this stuff that they're working on. So just to name a few things, I'm going to scroll through this list, and you'll see it on, on screen as well. Hour one, you know, you're, you're going to have a preview of, or they're going to talk about Red Notice, which is this movie with The Rock, Ryan Reynolds, and Gal Gadot. Stranger Things, we all have been waiting for season four. So we're going to have some insights on that. Ozark, they're going to have their final season coming up soon. So I'm sure they're going to talk a lot about that. Uh, a Young Adult Spotlight. Sex Education, was a, which is another popular thing on Netflix. An, a Spotlight on India and Indian programming, which is I think is really amazing. And Bridgerton, you know, which is uh, hugely popular on Netflix. Then in hour two, you're gonna we're gonna get something about the Sandman. You know they've been working on this Sandman series for a very long time, so hopefully we'll get a first look there. An anime spotlight. Netflix has made a name for themselves for premiering um, very well received anime programming. 
So they're going to go into some of those things there, which includes Ultraman, Sailor Moon, uh, Agretsuko. You know, so that's going to be cool. Cobra Kai, which is my runaway favorite from YouTube Premium that I'm so happy got picked up by Netflix because more people need to enjoy this series. So we're waiting for the new series, the new season that's supposed to be launching soon. So hopefully we'll get some insight on that. Extraction, which was a movie with Chris Helmsworth that debuted on Netflix. So I believe we're getting a sequel to that. Then we're going to have an action movie panel. So they're going to go through like the Old Guard, which is getting a sequel. Army of Thieves, which is supposed to be a prequel to that Zack Snyder movie. Um, Heart of They Fall. We're going to get a look into Arcane and Bruise. We're going to get a Korea spotlight uh, for Korean programming, which, you know, really popped off well on Netflix for a lot of people. Vikings, those who are fans from Vikings. Tiger King, which was already leaked that we're going to get a part two of that. Uh, unscripted TV spotlight. So that's more of like your um, reality shows and game shows. You know, Floor is Lava all that stuff and we're gonna get some news about cowboy bebop john chose cowboy bebop who's starring as the, the lead role there so hopefully we'll get you know some some first looks as far as actual scenes because when they released those photos a couple weeks ago eh, i don't know I'll, i don't know if i was feeling them at all but once you see it in motion you could you know easily change your mind and all that and then in hour three more stuff and this looks like they're focusing more on netflix specific tiered properties right so emily in paris the crown the umbrella academy which i love if you haven't watched umbrella academy you're, you're missing out army of thieves um you know animation spotlight with big mouth and inside job don't look up enola holmes which i think they are doing a sequel of that because that first movie became a big hit and of course the witcher you know the new season of the witcher that they're working on and the witcher blood origin which i believe is anime so a lot of stuff they will be discussing and hopefully revealing to you guys i believe you can watch this on youtube the whole three hours as a live streaming event and you could watch it as a recap later on so i will be looking forward to checking this out over the weekend let's see what good stuff they have because in my opinion the reason why I said Netflix is number three in my streaming platform list is because I feel like they've kind of um, stepped out of what they were really good at, and that is Netflix tier one specific programming. You know, back in the day, a lot of people loved Netflix because of shows like Orange is the New Black, um, House of Cards, Stranger Things, right? Ozark. You know, these are the huge programs and all that. Then they started focusing on a lot of these like lower tier programming um, movies, which have been mostly hit or miss. Um, and then the platform became more well known for documentaries, especially true crime documentaries. You ask a lot of females who watch Netflix in the United States and the majority of them will say that they love watching true crime docs on Netflix. So in my opinion, Netflix turned into the true crime doc platform. Hopefully they can kind of pick up some more momentum and that go back into things. 
because uh, Netflix is still a solid option as far as streaming goes. But I've been noticing the majority of my own time going more to HBO Max, Disney Plus, and even Hulu, which is owned by Disney as well. So let's see what happens. Let me know again in the comments if you check it out and what you guys are excited for. So, and guys, on the podcast platform, and I believe this is if you're listening on um, Spotify. Uh, you can leave voice me- messages as questions. So if you want to do that, go ahead and head over there and leave me a voice question. And I'll, in the f- in f- future episodes, I will play them and answer your questions. So that'll be a lot of fun. Now, before we get into the last main topic here, I'd like to take a moment to reveal this new segment that I may have um, moving forward. And that's the flashback feeling old segment celebrating birthdays from this past week because this week we had kind of a few celebrations some that I found very interesting and they're tied very well into pop culture so first off here we have The Muppet Show debuted 45 years ago this past week 45 years ago The Muppet Show was always a popular uh, thing to watch for myself I've watched it live on TV I believe it was airing on Channel 7 here in New York it was either Channel 7 or Channel 2 I, I my memory is fuzzy but then again not fuzzy bear but um, you know because I was only three at the time but it was a show that stuck with me for a very long time I am a huge fan of the Muppets I love the Muppets extremely um, if you know me long enough, you'll, you know, that that is a big part of my life. Um, so it, it's amazing that 45 years ago, the Muppet show debuted and you can watch episodes of the Muppet show on Disney plus. Um, I was able, I do that from time to time and it's, it's very enjoyable. Now, interestingly enough, um, with, us celebrating the anniversary of the Muppet Show, we are also celebrating the birthday of its creator, and that is Jim Henson. If Jim Henson was still around with us, he would be 85 years old this past week. So a very happy birthday to Jim Henson. Again, without him, we would not have gotten the Muppet Show. We would not not have gotten the characters that we see on Sesame Street. Um, Because... Again, Jim Henson was not a creator of Sesame Street. There are other people involved in that, but Jim Henson helped form what we've seen on Sesame Street character-wise. So he was crucial when it comes to that. Then we would not have gotten movies like The Dark Crystal, Labyrinth, you know, movies that we've seen from the Muppets, like Muppets Take Manhattan, The Great Muppet Caper, and The Muppet Movie. So Jim Henson, plus, again, Jim Henson was a revolutionary when it comes to puppetry and robotics that a lot of things that we've enjoyed as kids probably would have turned out differently if it wasn't for Jim Henson. He worked a lot on puppetry and robotics when it comes to uh, facial expressions. So, for example, he was involved in the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. He created the robotic puppetry that controlled a lot of the eye movements, the the mouth movements, the expressions. It was Jim Henson's workshop that worked on a lot of that stuff. So 
a lot of things that he's done and created for his own properties, he was able to help other studios utilize those creations, you know, for their properties. So again, happy birthday to Jim Henson right there. Lastly on this list is something that I haven't thought about in ages. And it's really, really fascinating. So it's about an alien who hails from the planet Melmac loves eating cats and loves being a wisecracking sarcastic joke teller and that is Alf. Alf debuted on TV 35 years ago this past week. 35 years ago and if you are not of my generation and you don't know who Alf is, Alf is short for alien life form and it was a sitcom on network TV I believe it aired on NBC about a family who encounters an alien that's been stranded here on earth takes him in as their own and we see the everyday lives of Alf adjusting and learning about earth's ways with this family and Alf was this comical like like literally he would tell jokes all the time get into a lot of hijinks with the family, especially with the father figure, and terrorize the family's cat because on his planet, cats are a delicacy and that's what they eat. It was a bizarre show, man. It was... You look at this character and maybe for most of you, he is not a cute character, right? And he had this voice like this, you know, hey, uh, what about the cat? It's like it's like putting Rodney Dangerfield into uh, an alien, right? But it blew up. At that time, Alf was extremely, extremely popular. It spawned off an animated series that you could watch on Saturday mornings. It spawned off a comic book, merchandising. They had a deal, I believe it was with Burger King, where you bought like a kid's meal and you would get a stuffed, you know, Alf doll. You saw Alf everywhere on t-shirts, Hallmark shops. Hallmark, the reason why I say Hallmark shops is because Hallmark was a huge retailer at that time. Um, so you just see Alf everywhere, magazines, what have you. Um, but the most interesting story about ALF that I will briefly share here is about its creator. Its creator is a network television writer, Jerry Stahl. Now, when I say create, Jerry Stahl was the writer of the show. So he created a lot of the episodes, wrote for the show. The character itself of ALF was created by some other person, I believe Paul Fusco. He was the one who created Alf, the, the, the puppet that we see in the show. But Jerry Stahl was the writer of the show. And of course, the head writer, so he wrote majority of the episodes and formulated the, the look and feel of the series. Um, but Jerry Stahl was a heroin addict. And if you ever have a chance, watch the movie called Permanent Midnight. Permanent Midnight stars Ben Stiller, and uh, I believe Owen Wilson, and I forget who the female is in there. Um, they had female. Well, anyways, 
And this is one of the few films with uh, Ben Stiller that it was more drama-centric. And it's the story of Jerry Stahl, how he is a Hollywood writer, he has addiction problems, a huge heroin addict, and it was because of his heroin usage, he kind of had hallucinations, and it was hallucinations of this type of character, a wisecracking alien that he started writing about, and it formulated the TV series, right? Now, again, I don't know how accurate it was. I, I did hear that it was extremely accurate that Jerry Stahl's side was trying to put an end to the movie or was trying to sue the producers of the movie or what have you. Um, or it was more about the uh, the the way they you know portrayed Jerry Stahl. There was a very rough scene in that movie, Permanent Midnight, where they show Jerry Stahl getting high in the car and he's sitting next to a baby. And the baby's there in his in the the car seat and he's just high blitzed out of his mind right there. I mean, nowadays we see that on the news, especially in the Midwest, uh, with all like father and mother blitzed down in the front seat and the kids in the back seat, right? So go figure. But I just think it's a fascinating story of how this type of TV series was created because if you heard about this series now, you would think, oh, what is this, a Disney show? You know, it can't be serious to have this on network TV in prime time. But it was a huge hit. It was a huge, huge hit. I thoroughly enjoyed it because I think I was just the right age at that time when this show came out 35 years ago. So I enjoyed it. I fell into the ALF craze, you know. So uh, very interesting to look back on that. So, guys, again, as a reminder, uh, Talking Talk Pod Showcast can be seen every week on YouTube, normally Saturdays, but hopefully Fridays moving forward. Uh, if you are new, welcome. Hit that like, subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already. And it could be also found on podcast platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and the like. Make sure you follow. Give a good rating if it asks you or prompts you to, and download the episodes and enjoy it every week. Um, and I appreciate all the support. So, let's talk about this Nintendo Direct stuff that happened. Now, I made a comment to uh, a friend of mine about Nintendo's presentations. A lot of it is very tongue-in-cheek. A lot of it is very family-oriented and kind of goofy. Uh, they're still trying to portray that they are um, the fun video game company and, and all that. But for me, it doesn't work anymore. <laughs> Maybe it's just me. I don't know if I'm getting old and curmudgeon-like and cranky in my old age, you know. But I'm so used to seeing presentations from Sony and Xbox that are very professional, very serious. Hey, guys, we're going to show you all this stuff. So... You know, when I saw, like, one of the producers or developers of Splatoon doing his crazy presentation there, uh, I thought it was silly. I was laughing my ass off uh, because I'm like, this is so ridiculous. Every time the dude from Nintendo would show up, it's like, so what do you think? Or how about that? Like, come on. You know, what? what is this, the 80s? You know, uh, I feel like that would have worked in the past, but for me, for me, 
it just doesn't work anymore, right? Plus, Nintendo's tactics of um, being transparent are very odd for me these days. We never know what they're working on. They drop these Nintendo Directs out of nowhere. And they use this as a platform to kind of surprise us with what they're working on or a drop that's happening. So it's very odd, their business model currently. And I find it extremely frustrating that as an old school Nintendo fan, I go to Nintendo not for the third party stuff. I know in the past, Nintendo suffered from lack of third party support, you know, because they were always about first party stuff. And if you wanted to produce for our system, you had to go through this crazy song and dance and all that stuff, right, to, to get in there. Now they've made it extremely easy. Now there's nothing but third party stuff. And it's flooded with that. And I'm not getting enough of first party stuff. So it, it, it's kind of like a, you know, a weird switch in roles and circumstances there. So I want to see more Nintendo properties. And, you know, we haven't been getting them. And it's been very disappointing. Very disappointing. So I was not extremely excited when this Nintendo Direct was going to launch. But, of course, I am very curious. So I decided to check it out. And I have to admit, there were some good surprises in there. Um, we're finally getting another Kirby game. This time, it's a more Kirby 3D game, which I think it's about time. It is kind of odd that it's a post-apocalyptic type of adventure. I don't know what that's all about. Um, but at least we are getting a new Kirby game, and maybe it'll play out a little differently. After first hearing about it back in 2017 I believe finally we're getting details about Bayonetta and now we're getting a Bayonetta 3 um, which is very very exciting to hear about and I'm sure all of you female cosplayers out there are extremely excited to see what new costumes you could pull out of this game um, I was laughing watching the teaser trailer that they had because uh, Bayonetta there is acting more and more like Ulala from Space Channel 5 and dancing around in her extravagant costumes and fighting styles and all that. It's pure fun and entertainment and I can't wait. Uh, as I mentioned, we are getting another Splatoon game, Splatoon 3, and we got more details about that. For old school PlayStation players, and fans of Final Fantasy and Square Enix, Chocobo Racing is finally coming back. And it's coming back as a kart racer. So that's a new game that's going to be launching next year on the Switch and possibly other... Oh, sorry. No, it's not. It's the Switch exclusive, guys. So very, very cool stuff. You know, we got compilations that are out of left field that we weren't expecting like Castlevania Advance Collection um, which is um, a series of their handheld releases that they did on Nintendo platforms um, along with um, uh, a Super NES version in there um, so 
Very, very cool. That's not Nintendo exclusive, by the way. I saw that available to purchase on, on Xbox, on the Microsoft Store. I was shocked to see ActRaiser coming back. Um, the minute it flashed on screen, I'm like, that's ActRaiser. And boom, ActRaiser is coming back as a remake um, that is available now. It was avail- Again, the surprise drops that they do is fascinating to me because it's like... Hey, Nintendo Direct, by the way, this thing we're talking about, boom, you can get it today. So very, very interesting stuff. You know, we were teased that there's going to be an Animal Crossing event airing in October that's going to dive deep into probably a a new DLC or what have you. We didn't get any um, Pokemon news, right? Um, Because, you know, they had some recent Pokemon stuff. But we were given details about this new upgrade to the Nintendo Online uh, service, uh, which currently now you can get, and it's really, really dirt cheap. I forget the details of it, but it grants you access to the virtual um, systems of the NES and Super Nintendo, and they've had several releases come out throughout the years supporting these virtual platforms on the Nintendo Switch. So if you're an old school gamer, you like to visit, revisit them, you had a blast, right? They've announced this interesting thing where it's another level of the premium service and they're calling it Nintendo Switch Online Plus Expansion Pass. Terrible name. Hopefully they're gonna change it up, uh, name it something else. Plus they didn't divulge what the cost structure is going to be here so i'm very curious about that you know because other than the ability of playing nintendo and super nintendo games there really is no true benefit of signing up for their online service will that change now with their plus expansion pass we don't know but the bonuses that you get for upgrading is quite interesting because now you're going to have access to their virtual console of the Nintendo 64. So you'll be able to play classics like Super Mario 64, Star Fox 64, The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, which is are great titles. And if you haven't had a chance to ever play those, this is a great opportunity for you to play them now. Then they announced that additional titles will be coming down the line, like Majora's Mask. Again, if you're a huge Zelda fan, these are main staples in this franchise. So, must plays. F-Zero, Banjo-Kazooie. Then the shocker. You're going to be able to get access to a virtual console for the Sega Genesis. Where did this come from? You know, we know Sega and Nintendo have been playing nice for a while now, but boom, on a Nintendo platform, you're going to be able to play Sega Genesis games. You know, so you'll get to play games like Sonic 2, Echo the Dolphin, Golden Axe. Basically, if you picked up the Sega Genesis Mini, the tiles you have access to there are pretty much the same tiles you're going to have access to on this virtual console. I think this is an interesting move from Nintendo because there have been speculations about their new mini console possibly being a Nintendo 64 version. 
Um, no announcements about that. And not saying that we're not going to be able to get one of those later on down the line. But to get it virtually and to be the first thing announced is very interesting. And a lot of this stuff sounds like it's going to be available by the end of October. Plus, as a member, you're going to be able to purchase the Nintendo 64 controller and the Sega Genesis controller for 50 bucks each once they're made available. Which is very cool, but I've always had a problem with that because till this day, to this day, you still cannot buy a Super NES controller because it's been sold out forever. If you didn't get on that on day one, you, you're pretty much asked out. The same thing with the NES controller. You know, plus we're buying these old school controllers for 50 bucks a pop. Yeah, I have a, a little issue with that. Here's my other issue. And I, I'm sick of Nintendo playing favoritism. In Japan, only, you can buy the six-button Sega Genesis controller from Nintendo to play on the Switch for the Sega Genesis Virtual Console. Why? Why are you excluding, excluding us here in the U.S. from these lovely, lovely things? It's not fair. So, you know, a lot of us are going to try to import that stuff and pay extremely high shipping rates and yada, yada, yada. So, not cool, Nintendo. Not cool. But the piece de la resistance, as I like to call it, is you had Shigeru Miyamoto interrupt the presentation. And I love Miyamoto's son. You know, I had a chance to meet him once ages ago when I worked in the industry. At E3, at, well, it wasn't at E3, it was at an E3 event, uh, award ceremony afterwards, right? A very cool guy, very happy, always happy, always smiling. Um, he interrupts, and all of a sudden he announces details about the Mario movie that is being worked on by Illumination Studios. Now, we know that this was something that they've been working on. We just haven't heard about it in for a long time. Well, those of us who follow movie news knew about this for a while. Let me re re rephrase. So it was interesting that he brought it up. You know, and if you're not familiar with Illumination Studios, they're the ones who've done the Sing franchise. So Sing, Sing 2, that's coming out. Secret Life of Pets. You know, that is a very popular series for the kids. You know, they're responsible for those movies. And they're responsible for the Despicable Me and Minions movies. So they have some, you know, titles under their belt there. So it's going to be really interesting. He said, we don't have a lot of details to show you, but we just want to let you know that it's coming out holiday of 2022 in December. But... What we're going to tell you is the voice cast of the Mario movie. And this is where the internet blew up. Here we go. Voice of Mario, Chris Pratt. Voice of Peach, Anya Taylor-Joy, who I love. That is like future ex-wife material for me. Uh, Queen's Gambit, anything she does, love her. Charlie Day as Luigi. Jack Black as Bowser, which I think is brilliant. Keegan-Michael Key as Toad. 
That's going to be really interesting. Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong. The memes of seeing Donkey Kong with Seth Rogen's laugh going around the internet was amazing and fun to watch. Fred Armisen as Cranky Kong. Kevin Michael Richardson as Kamek. Sebastian Maniscalco as Spike. And here was the huge slap in the face, which I couldn't help but laugh at. Cameos from other Nintendo characters from Charles Martinet, who is the original voice of Mario for years and years and years. Man, that sucked. You know. But I understand it. I get it. You know, I get it. Um, look, you've, if you've played a recent Mario game these days, all Mario ever says is like, Woohoo! Hee-hee! Here they go, like that. You know, we don't know if he could carry a full movie dialogue. You know, but the reason why studios do this too is to draw attention, to get people to watch the movie because we have these high, like, popular actors in Hollywood attached to the movie. I get it, but also don't like it at the same time because you're taking work away from valid, talented voice actors in the industry. And there are ton of them, there are ton of them out there that cannot get work. Because studios like this always do this stuff. Because you gotta these studios feel like you gotta grab the big Hollywood talent to draw butts into seats and to get people to pay for that ticket or buy that movie, right? Again, I understand both sides, but I do find it extremely uh, unfair for the voice acting community because there are so many talented people out there who can't get jobs like this. How do we know Chris Pratt will do a great job at Mario? I mean, yeah, he's done a, a voice already for the Lego movie, which worked out all right, you know. Uh, Anya Taylor-Joy, I don't know if she's going to be able to do a good Peach or be entertaining as Peach. Charlie Day with his like neuroses and his franticness and all that stuff like that could possibly lend to a great Luigi. Uh, so who knows? You know, But it was fascinating to see the outpouring of disappointment about Chris Pratt. You know, it is hilarious how... You can be the sweetheart one day and all of a sudden people are just tired of you the next. You know, and Chris Pratt is definitely one of those guys that fell into that trap right now. Or it's not even a trap, just fell into that situation. Everyone loved him on Parks and Rec. You know, when he started venturing into movies, people were really loving him. Then he landed the role of Star-Lord in Guardians of the Galaxy, and that's really what blew up for him. People, at that time, it was peak love for Chris Pratt. Then things started slowing down. Why? Because Hollywood does what Hollywood does and wanted to turn Chris Pratt into an action star when it was not necessary. So then he was in Jurassic Park and these other action movies. Um... And then people wanted to know his about his religious beliefs because apparently the church that he is involved in have not so great things to say about the LGBTQ community, which he claims is false. 
Plus, he doesn't really talk about his affiliations when it comes to politics. And people are wondering, yo, what is he? Which side does he stand on? You know, so all of a sudden, he's become a guy that people are just sick and tired of. And it sucks. You know, I have nothing against Chris Pratt. I think he's great as Star-Lord. You know, I did enjoy his voice acting in the Lego movies. Um, But who knows, you know, like... You can't have a Mario movie now with the stereotypical Italian accent. That's just not going to fly anymore. And it's funny because Chris Pratt, he released this video on his social. You know, like, it's me, Mario. And he's like, no, no, that's not going to be the voice. But we've been working really hard on the voice. Uh, and we hope that you guys enjoy it. Because you really cannot do that these days. Um, because that's not going to float well in our woke society. Right? So how is the voice going to be? You know? Is it going to be, hey, it's me, I'm Mario, what's up, yo? That would be hilarious, you know? Is he going to sound extremely white? I don't know. Uh, is he going to be goofy? You know, how's Peach going to sound like? How's Luigi going to sound like? Is, is Luigi going to have that, like, typical Charlie Day voice? Like, I'm going to lose my mind. You know, who knows? Jack Black is going to be great as Bowser. I think Seth Rogen is a perfect casting for Donkey Kong. <laughs> you know, see Donkey Kong goofing around and all that. But yeah, it's going to be fun. Look, this could be a train wreck for all we know. Or it could surprise us and be thoroughly enjoyable and entertaining. A lot of us were wondering how the Sonic movie was going to turn out. You know, especially when we got the first glimpse of the character design and the internet again blew up and didn't like it. Um, Then it forced the studio to actually change the look of the character to make it more like the video game character that we knew. And guess what? The movie turned out to be fun and enjoyable. And we haven't had Jim Carrey be Jim Carrey like that in a long time. So everything worked out. But this is a live action movie, right? We don't know how the animation is going to be like. Again, if you look at the the lineup of Illumination movies, very interesting stuff there, you know, and they've done a decent job. You know, a lot of it doesn't speak for me, but I'm not their primary audience, target audience. And for all we know, this is going to be for the kids who love the Mario Brothers, who love playing the games. There's no other form of Super Mario media right now. Not like how it was when I was growing up. You know, we had the cartoons. We had the comic books, you know, we had a lot of different Mario exposures to Mario all over the place. Um, And we haven't really been getting a lot of Mario games. You know, we're getting Mario Party soon, uh, if not already. The tennis, Mario Tennis, we had, um, you know, some Mario games coming out recently. Um, Very few these days. Um, But yeah, let's see what happens. But I did find it fascinating when this news broke. And we found out that Chris Pratt is your voice of Mario in 2022. Uh, and the internet lost our goddamn minds. So, very interesting stuff. Let me, guys and gals, let me know what you think in the comments. Are you looking forward to this movie? Could you care less? You know, uh, what announcement from Nintendo Direct are you excited for? Uh, are you looking forward to play and what have you? Uh, And let's talk about that. So before we close out this week's show, again, every week I have a collectible of the week. And I 
talk about briefly uh, Spotlight, Collectible Spotlight. Uh, in the past, I had some um, nice reveals. This week, I am going to Sideshow Toys, who I've been a huge fan of for many, many years. I was introduced to Sideshow Toys because they had the license to the Lord of the Rings properties. And they produce a lot of high-end collectibles with Lord of the Rings. And they landed Star Wars. And they're doing the same thing there. This week, I want to talk about the new premium format figure. Which is their line of um, figures that are more like statues. Um, limited posability, but the likeness, the details, the clothing is very, very well done and highly detailed and accurate. And they are doing one of The Crow. The Crow is a movie that I've been a huge fan of. And uh, even the comic book, the original comic book, I've been a huge fan of for decades. Um, when The Crow movie came out, that still holds as a top 10 movie in my all-time movie list. Um, the lore behind The Crow is extremely fascinating. I, lo I really love it. And this figure that they're working on right now that is available available for pre-order and is expected to ship next year between August and October is beautiful. It's gorgeous. Look at that face. That face is Brandon Lee, his portrayal of The Crow. That is Eric Draven that we saw in the movie. Gorgeous detail. You got his leather trench coat that looks amazing. He got the crow that's perched right on his shoulder. He's got the wedding ring that is tied around his neck for his deceased wife um, that was kill, raped and killed by gangsters. You know? The only thing missing here, and I don't know, maybe they'll still add it later on, is his guitar, his famous guitar, because he is a rock musician by day, lover by night, and now full-time Avenger from the afterlife. But the details here for this is probably the best representation of the movie version of The Crow that I've seen ever. You know, they've had figures made up of him. You know, McFarlane Toys did a figure of his that I've for a while thought was almost perfect. Um, and then there have been statues for him as well um, in the past that I thought were brilliantly done. But this is by far, I think, the best representation of the movie version of The Crow. Brandon Lee's portrayal of Eric Draven. And I think it is gorgeous. It is $600. Again, extremely high-end. you know. But the great thing about Sideshow Toy, as I mentioned in last week's episode, is that they do have flex plans. And you could pay monthly for something that if you really, really want it. But you don't want to pay full price. And you could split it up into as many as eight payments. And you know, first, they'll ask you for a deposit. In this case, they're going to ask you for $60 deposit. But the first payment will not be taken away from your account until January of 2022 because the release of this is still a little bit long away. So if you just want to hold your reservation and then you know save up some of your money to put away every month and then let them take it out every month for you, you could do so. But uh, I might have to do this myself because... Again, I have a huge passion for the franchise, for the character, 
for Brandon Lee's portrayal of this character. It's unfortunately was his last role that he ever played acting wise because he, he died on set while they were filming this movie. It's a very famous story, very unfortunate. Um, but it's phenomenal. And if you're a fan like me, I'm pretty sure you will think the same. So, ladies and gentlemen, that is the end of this week's episode and the end of episode five of the Talking Talk Pod Showcast. Thank you again for tuning in and listening. You will find me again next week around the same time with episode six. Let's see what I'll be talking about. Um, I will be away next week. Um, I'm attending my niece's wedding. So um, I'm going to have to do a pre... I mean, this is pre-taped, but it's probably going to be a show that's maybe not so heavily tied to the news of the week. But we'll see. But do tune in. It will be enjoyable nonetheless. Again, if you haven't done so already, smash that like button. Uh, Subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so. Spread the word. Leave your comments in the comments section. Let's have some discussions of things that I've talked about today. Uh, If you have any feedback, let me know. For you podcast listeners, appreciate you guys listening online or through your phone. Um, Don't forget to download the episodes every week and follow along on the channel and leave a good rating if you're prompted to. Appreciate all the support that you guys have been giving me so far. And I appreciate and looking forward to future episodes. So until next week. Stay cool, stay classy, stay safe, and I'll see all of you guys next time. Peace.